Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Living with Vinyl, we explore the intersection between the built world and vinyl records, and how the recent resurgence of the medium has impacted how we listen to and save music. Today's guest is Peter Croce, a Detroit-based DJ, producer, and head of the boutique vinyl label Rocksteady Disco, which he founded in 2014. Peter has worked across the U.S. and around the world, including London, Paris, Tokyo, Mexico City, and Seoul. Peter, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Peter. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. So, Peter, tell us a bit about yourself. All right. So, I've been a multi-instrumentalist since I was 10 years old. I play bass and guitar. Um, I got a master's of social work at the University of Michigan. And while I was doing that, it was when I launched Rocksteady Disco, my record label, in, in classrooms when I should have been paying attention. Um, and when I graduated with that MSW, I realized I was DJing so much around Detroit uh, that I decided, hey, I'm going to do music full time. Because I remember being a kid thinking, wow, it'd be really cool if I could make a living doing music. And I didn't think it was possible until I got a master's degree in something completely unrelated. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I do music full time, uh, whether it's DJing, uh, producing original music, playing bass or guitar on people's tracks, uh, running uh, Rocksteady Disco and Motor City Wines record label. And I also book around town. Um, and I'm also really into bicycles, and I built a little cargo bike that fits vinyl records so I can take them to the post office and uh, to gigs, <laughs> save on some parking money. Uh, and, some, and some gas. Um, so, so I want to get into the backstory of the phonograph record. But for our listeners, I want to talk a bit about records as they were commonly also known as albums, which were actually used for music reproduction throughout the 20th century. At first, they were commonly made from shellac. Then in the 1940s, polyvinyl chloride became common, hence the name vinyl. But it wasn't until the mid 2000s when the medium became, this is crazy to think about, the medium became popular again, and then people referred to, the, to vinyl as vinyl. Um, but, but there's also the notion of the size and the speed. So people refer to vinyl as 12s or 12 inches or 45s, et cetera. But it's important to note that, that vinyl actually takes up space. It's no longer, it doesn't sit in the cloud, it actually sits um, in your, uh, <laughs> your countertop or in your basement in some cases. Um, but Peter, you're from Detroit. I mean, this is a place that was the home of, that is the home of Motown, was the, or is the home of techno and all things music. And, and as you mentioned, it must be an amazing and exciting experience to have grown up in this environment uh, that has inspired you even to this day to, to create music and inspire others. Yeah, you can take it for granted, really, because uh, it's just in the air, it's in the water, uh, it's everywhere. Like you said, Motown and techno, born here, but so many genres of music. Um, and it's been really inspiring. It hasn't ever been hard to find um, good gigs. It's never been hard to find uh, artists I want to release on my label. And honestly, that's kind of what spawned the vinyl thing was that when I first started DJing in the city around 2013, um, most, if not all venues just had two turntables and a mixer 
And I wanted to come correct because this is, you know, this is a city with a lot of deep DJ history. And I was like, all right, I'm going to learn how to mix records. This is really important here. Um, And that's also why I started pressing vinyl is I press it at a vinyl plant over. It's called Archer Record Pressing. It's like five miles from my house. They've been in business since 1967. And I was, you know, it's Detroit manufacturing as well as Detroit uh, arts and culture. It's a really special thing. Well, Peter, when you were young, what got you into music? Were you in a family, a house full of music, or was it your parents liked to listen to music, or did somebody play? Where did the where did the uh, where did the seed come from? Yeah, my parents are music nerds. Uh, my dad was a professional drummer, and my mom has a great voice. She's got great rhythm. We listened to a lot of funk growing up, like the Gap Band and the Time, Rick James. Um, a lot of progressive rock, some more cerebral stuff like Yes and Rush and and uh, Led Zeppelin and classic rock Black Sabbath. And it was just everywhere. I, and um, I am so grateful for that because I'm 31 years old and a, a lot of my contemporaries don't necessarily, you know, I'll just reference like some something that I feel like everybody knows, like, you know, that Black Sabbath master, it's on Master of Reality by Black Sabbath. And people are like, oh, I guess I should go check that. I should go check that out. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's a classic. You should go check it out. And I was grateful my dad was playing that in the house growing up. It's funny when you say classics, I grew up, those classics were the new album that I was going out to buy. It makes me feel really old now. And you're talking Led Zeppelin 2. I was, I was there when they were at the store when it was the new album of the week. <laughs> I think everyone has um, probably a personal story with Vile, right? I mean, like you had Black Sabbath. I had Michael Jackson. I mean, Thriller, that was an album and a half. And it just, these are, these are music genres and songs and 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 groups that traverse the world through through vinyl but it was also kind of unique right today you can pick and choose your music right i can play this track and then only this track ad nauseum whereas with vinyl you kind of had to play the entire album and really we really weren't you really have a choice a lot of ways there was side a and side b yep and it's uh Sorry to sound like the most millennial millennial ever, but I was hanging out at Detroit Threads, one of the best record stores in Detroit, and uh, the owner was telling me about that apparently radio DJs used to play full LPs on the radio. They just play the A side all the way through, flip it over, play the B side all the way through. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, I still, with my label, we do mostly EPs and singles, but we have done an LP. And I still think of all these things as a package. Um I understand. I mean, as a DJ, sometimes I buy a record because I really like one song and the re- other three songs are whatever to me. Um, so I get that concept, but I really try to think of these things as a cohesive package, especially since I want to give people a lot of bang for their buck with the record label. And not only that, these old albums, a lot of the bands, these were concepts. The bands wanted you to listen to these different stories in that order from start to finish, whether it was Springsteen Born to Run or whether it was Sgt. Pepper with the Beatles. There was a purpose to where each song was on the album. I remember, I think Sgt. Pepper was the first album that put the lyrics of every song on the album itself, on the cover. So it was not just the vinyl. The packaging itself had a history. It had, it was dynamic. I mean, it was a cool thing to look at. I mean, a lot came with that packaging of music onto vinyl. That's exactly right. I mean, that's, and that's been the thing with me is we're all just really hungry for story. And um, I use Spotify. I pay for Spotify. I pay for YouTube premium. I was like the first kid in middle school to have an iPod because I didn't grow up with records. So I was all in on the digital music thing. Um, But it's so, digital music is so ephemeral. 
And there's even though when you pull up on Spotify and there's like a little video clip of somebody dancing around to the song, it's it's not the same. It's not a story. We put so many Easter eggs on our vinyl records. If you read the the run out grooves, if you read the liner notes, all that stuff. I mean, on one record, we had a Senegalese singer and he was singing in um in his native language. And then he gave us the English translation as well. And we put both of them in in the liner notes. And we just thought that was something really important. Well, you know, you, to your point about story, th- that was a chance for artists to actually tell their story or have a point of view about, you know, love, life. And I, re- I recall just spending time with the album art, let alone the story, and just sort of putting the album art on the wall and then, yeah. and then having the records, actually the vinyl in another place <laughs> somewhere else, because it was so interesting and engaging and all the time that was spent making all of this art that's now become iconic and famous and to, to a certain extent, that was important. And the point of view of the artist, knowing what they believed in, knowing the, the, the what the words meant to both them and to the people that, that they, that originated that their mom or their girlfriend or their wives or, or whatever their situation. So to your point, the actual physical medium stored so much more than just music. Yeah, and what's so cool about the records, as you're talking, it's I'm just thinking of all the names that of the people I've worked with to make a record a reality. You know, like okay, I'm doing the A and R, I'm finding the music. Uh, of course, there's the producer of the music, but then we have a couple mastering people we work with who they're engineers and artists in their own right. We have the people who who cut the lacquers themselves to which is the first step of making a vinyl record and that's an engineer and artist in their own right and then you have the people that make the stampers and then you have the vinyl plant and oh and then you have the visual artists and the designer making the artwork and so it's just i mean it's just a great artistic package through and through so what is the right term right there's so many different terms that are thrown out even just even if (laughs) that just two seconds of you explaining something i just threw out a bunch of terms right so it, so do you, whatever happened to pressing vinyl? Is it, is that a thing? Is it, is it an, an album, a record is a, is vinyl an album? Like what is the right terminology to be? It depends how salty you are. No, uh, <laughs> basically Arr, I'm salty. It, it, records are made out of vinyl. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes I'll, you know, you're like, all right, we're playing vinyl tonight. Uh, yeah. Some people say wax, which is funny. I don't think there's any wax involved, <laughs> um, but that's like a term you hear in like hip hop and stuff. Uh, but yeah, pressing vinyl is still the thing. I mean, dude, if you go into a vinyl record pressing plant, it is like it is pure manufacturing. It's a little smelly. Uh, it's these big machines that are really loud. And they, they put in this little hockey puck of vinyl, uh, polyvinyl chloride. And there's two metal stampers that come down and and crank out the record out the other side. And they press both sides at the same time. And oh, and it puts the album art on at the same time as well. So it's it's like proper manufacturing. Let me ask you this, Peter, uh, in terms of, of using the vinyl as a DJ, um, I, in, nowadays, I don't know anything about DJing except enjoying the music and, and the incredible sounds that these DJs put together, but it seems like it's all electronic. It would seem to be easier to mix uh, one song to the next when, you're, when you have a computer that can seamlessly overlay the beats to the right speed, etc. In vinyl, you had to do all that manually, plus you had to be careful not to scratch the record, plus you had to be careful not to, you know, where, where the song ended and where the song started. As a DJ, is vinyl more difficult, but you do it because you love vinyl or is vinyl easier or, or more serene or something like that? Mixing records is definitely more difficult than mixing on a laptop 
um, or on CDJs, which is kind of like the main club standard equipment. Um, and I think what was the, what drew me to vinyl is like what I said earlier about like all my favorite DJs were playing records in Detroit. The venues had turntables. So I just was like, this is a thing I need to learn if I'm going to take this to the next level. But now I don't, if I'm being honest with you, I don't have to play records at gigs. Like they have the digital stuff there too. I don't like playing with the laptop because it, I feel like it really takes you away from the crowd. You feel like you're checking your email or something. Um, but with records, there is a bit of a romance and a paradox there of, especially like you're saying, pressing electronic music to an analog medium is is kind of a funny thing. It's this, it's this blend of the human and the machine in one. And it's just crazy when you're rocking a whole party, everyone's jumping, the sound system's loud, and then you look down and you have a tiny little needle in a microscopic groove on a sheet of plastic. And that's what's making the part. I mean, that's one of the things making the party really good. And I just think that is just such a special thing. And I think it translates to the crowd. And I do think there's a sonic fidelity thing, not always, but often of it is just easier. You might not notice it A, B, like uh, playing a digital file next to a record, but over four hours of the course of a night, uh, records are a lot easier on your ears. There's going to be a lot less fatigue. I think it keeps the crowd happier and it, it often is a warmer sound. It's not just hype. Oh, that's that's fascinating. I mean, just to think about the fatigue, if you're in a club for hours, I guess that makes a ton of sense. I mean, to your point, records break, they scratch. I mean, it's this fragile medium to your point. And then you've got this needle that has to sit delicately on a record that's not sitting on some sort of a dampener slash spring that keeps it in place. It bounces. You know, it's just it's really a complicated yet it feels artisanal in a way, right? It's sort of like this craft that you, I mean, that that in, in, in some cases, the more difficult it is, the better it should be, right? I mean, more, I mean, it's, should it be easy because you're creating or should it be difficult because you're crafting? I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. And I think that's, that's kind of that um, hidden in plain sight thing that makes crowds really happy uh, is is knowing that wow i mean you at motor city wine i worked with the owner to develop a dj booth that the needles won't skip no matter how hard people are dancing that the records won't feed back no matter how loud the subwoofers are i've done that with other venues as well i mean that's a labor of love and and you know how you make things not skip and how you make them not feedback is you bring in a lot of concrete and you bring in like racquetballs to absorb vibration and it's heavy weight like it's it's meant to be a thing that is more permanent it's not ephemeral and it's and it's like hey we're doing this because we care about you dance floor and we want to bring this as a it's a it's just a, a gift it's meant to be uh, in love really it sounds super romantic but i really <laughs> believe that i really well, believe that you're well you're passionate about about the space and i and i having lived in detroit uh, i can appreciate it right i mean i i i recall seeing signs saying no laptops allowed <laughs> you know, yeah. and, i mean it's it's a big deal uh, and there's some authenticity to it that that makes you know it adds to the cachet in a lot of ways of the venue and then the people that you know that 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 show up right i mean the people that are actually appreciating this classic medium in a very different way well and no dj and no um, record collector, because I know we're talking about DJs, but just people who buy records and play them at home. Nobody's accidentally coming across a bunch of records. <laughs> you can a DJ can really accidentally go on a like track source or beatport and be like, "What's top ten in deep house this week?" And just buy those ten tracks, and like they'll probably work at your party. But it, it doesn't have that uh, 
that deepness to it that it doesn't have that depth to it. Well, you know, that's funny that you mentioned that, right? Because there isn't the Columbia records that sent you, you know, vinyl every, you know, every whatever week or month. Yeah, 21 actually, right up front for free. Yeah. Only one penny. <laughs> and then yeah, there's not really record the pools. There's not really record pools anymore. It's just like individual labels will send me records, which are really great. That's so cool. I'm well, really because cool. you're because you're because you're a pro, right? And that's they want their they want their songs out there. But I mean, for most people, you kind of have to sit uh, on weekends and basically what they call crate diving right and look at records digging. or digging <laughs> for me it's just diving i'm just i'm just all in i'm just, just drowning the whole bit uh, and and so but like it, it takes time right i mean you have to in order to build a good collection i mean it's years so i feel like for you it's amazing because you're in your early 30s where people have and you, you've amassed, uh, you know, what it sounds like an amazing collection, but people spend a lifetime trying to build a collection um, and are, you know, in their 70s, 80s and still building. So how does how does that work? I mean, what, what is a process in which people can go through to to acquire um, music in this medium? Yeah, if you're if you're new to record collecting, um, I would say the easiest way to get started is just go to your local record store um do they exist by the way do they, they still oh, exist? man detroit has so many it's insane i mean i've made so many like friends from europe and south america at record stores you know you hear somebody talking and they have an accent that you don't have and you go oh where are you from and they go i'm just here to buy records in detroit all right wow and that's the thing you take for granted because and it's in music and this is a beautiful thing like the music jamie that you you're gonna dig for in miami we don't have a lot of that music. Like, we don't have a lot of Afro Latin music in the bins up in Detroit, but like we could have any Motown record you ever would be looking for. And then, you know, you, Alex, you go to New York, there's so many records there that are like maybe like $20, $25 in Detroit that you can get over there in New York for $5. So like, it's a cool regional thing and there's history and there's like with watchmaking, they call it witness marks. You know, there's like witness marks with these records. You're like, wow, I wonder where this one came from. And it's a, it's a really special thing. But if you're a record collector, I would say if you don't go to your local record store, if there's if you don't have a local record store, there's some really good websites. I like to buy direct from artists on Bandcamp, but um, there's just big retailers like Turntable Lab that have really nice websites. But what's cool is like what I like to do when I'm shopping for LPs is I'll go to a record store and I say, all right, I'm spending thirty five dollars today and you can just go and just buy $5 records and come home with seven $5 records or you just just go to the new arrivals bin and and that's not like because it's overwhelming right you go into some record stores and you're just like this is too much so just start with the new arrivals bin and go from there and if you're me that would be raiding my parents basement for old records and of course there's history there because there's like there's a snickers bar that's still stuck to one of the <laughs> half eaten there's yeah totally <laughs> before we continue with the show i wanted to talk a little bit about noom noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology technology and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals a lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. 
Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program, and more than 60% of users that engage with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M, dot com slash believe. B-L-E-A-V. I can, rem- I can remember getting rid of so many records as things went digital and you didn't need the space, you didn't want to have to take up the space in the house anymore. So when you talk about different regions, people going to find vinyl, they still need to recreate the equipment at home that we used to want to have. When I was younger, as soon as I had enough money, you bought a tuner and a, and a, and a rec turntable, like a Techniques turntable and a, and a Marantz tuner, and you had, a, uh, you had a, a cassette deck and you had a receiver. And those had to be stacked somewhere. Then you had your records all over, you know. And, and it was a cool thing to go to someone's house and see what records they had on their shelf. It told you a lot about the person looking at the kind of music that they cherished. You don't have any of that. So, number one, how is easy is it to get the equipment these days, and imagine a lot cheaper than when I bought them, uh, to be able to play the violin at home? And how does that change the home? Oh, I, I mean, I personally, every place I've ever rented or we, we own now, but um, any place I've ever lived, it, it, the wife and I are go. All right, where are the records going to go? It's like literally. But I have thousands of records, so like that's the thing you have to think about. Um, but if you're just getting started, I mean, you could fit a hundred records in in like a fairly small cube. But yeah, um, what's cool is, I mean, God, the old hi fi's like you're describing are the coolest. But there's so many great turntables for reasonable prices. Like I'm talking like between 150 to 650 dollars. That you can plug in even to like a lot of people are just plugging them into bluetooth speakers like you could just plug it into what you have um you don't have to go full uh tube audio nerdery like you and i do <laughs> and then um like you said it's like looking through somebody's book bookshelf when you're looking through their record collection but yeah there's ways of doing it where you just don't need to like plan your whole house around a million having a million records you can just like put them on a bookshelf in the corner and not take up too much space well, you know, I think you made a, a really good point, right? It's a whole nod to the bookshelf. And the bookshelf, for me, was it was basically um, a badge of honor saying, you know, I read all this. Like, so I am that much more educated or I now I know more because of what you're seeing. And so it's sort of a, a visual representation of my knowledge. <laughs> it's a bookshelf. Yeah, I mean, I swear I've like fallen for women when going through their record collections you know what I mean? you're like, you're well, like, that's oh, wow i just met you but <laughs> well, that's your kind of weird but I mean, no, but i mean i think I, I hear what you're saying though but the point is like you know it's it's almost like a badge of honor it's saying it's saying that i've lived i've lived a number of years or i have so many different interests i have afro house to marvin gay to uh, to Black Sabbath, I'm an eclectic individual, and so the music that you have on your shelves actually defines kind of who you are, in a lot of ways, right? So you want to, you kind of want to display that in a way that people can see, and then it becomes a conversation, uh, and 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 makes you and or the other person interested. 
And you can even like dig in your own collection. I, I go through my records and I'm like, wow, I forgot I, I forgot I had this record. But this reminds me of summer 2014. I used to play this all the time. You know what I mean? Or I have friends that come over and um, you're blowing my mind right now about the like, you read every book on your bookshelf. I didn't know we were supposed to read every book on our bookshelf. <laughs> But no jokes aside, like I have some records that, like I said, I bought it for the A side, right? And then a friend will come over and be like, "Oh, let's put this record on," and they put it on the B side. I'm like, "Wow, I don't know why I slept on the B side. <laughs> this is really good. Thanks for showing me that a record that I bought and paid for is really good. Like, <laughs> it's just a great, it's just a great. I mean, you're bonding with people, and it's just a, it's just such a nice way of listening to music instead of just hitting your Discover Weekly and just letting the algorithm feeding feed you. What, do I think to your point though? If you if you have a record, or if you have a song and you can't see it, did you actually listen to it? I mean, it's like you know, this is thing of no. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my my label stuff. A lot of it is on streaming services, and I'm not. I'm not like a retro grouch. Like I, I, under, I found a lot of cool stuff through like the algorithm or whatever. And then I go, wow, this song's amazing. Let me look this up on Bandcamp. And then I go and I buy the record direct from the artist. Um, so it, it does ping back and forth. But um, yeah, I mean, how many links, how many Spotify links have you sent to your friends and they haven't responded or listened? <laughs> no, nah, nah, bro. I, I, I live in Detroit. I don't, I don't use Spotify anymore. I'm, I'm all vinyl. All day. That's an aggression. That's a microaggression. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, and, and let me ask you, what, Peter? How much of today's music uh, is available on vinyl? Yeah. So, in 2022, we're in a kind of weird state where um, there, there's a, absolutely a vinyl resurgence happening, but a lot of the resurgence, or what you hear about when you're reading, like uh, you know, Wall Street Journal or whatever, is that it's like a lot of reissues of classic records. And like, I love Fleetwood Mac rumors, amazing record, but I just don't know how many more reissues we need of Fleetwood Mac rumors. You know what I mean? Um, or, or Led Zeppelin to another amazing record. So um, it's actually beginning to be a problem for independent labels like myself, because I'm pressing like 300 to 1500 records per release. That's, that's the boutique part of the label. Um, and when, you know, BMI comes in and says, Hey, we want 10,000 of the new Taylor Swift record. I wouldn't blame the plant for bumping us aside to go do a 10,000 record job. You know what I mean? Um, so man, how much new music? I mean, I don't know. My, my like seven-year-old cousins were so excited because the new Billie Eilish record was coming out on vinyl. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think like, there's a lot, there's a lot. I'm just a lot more plugged into the indie scene. Um, and when you go to I, like, you can find used copies of Michael Jackson Thriller for a dollar. You don't need to, you don't need to buy a reissue. Well, you know, there's a whole supply chain problem happening around the world among, among all things, but specifically with vinyl. <clears throat> so there, because, and to your point, there aren't many vinyl pressing plants out there. I think you mentioned Archer Records in Detroit. I think Columbia Records still has one someplace, I believe. Um Oh, that's not Columbia Records. It's Columbia, <laughs> um, yeah. but but it's it, there's a problem with getting the raw materials to make these things, and I wonder if that's going to push us in a forward direction. I mean, I mean, I think does a materials shortage force innovation 
I mean, are we going to find a way to get more records or are we going to find a way to like to get people off of records and, and vinyl and back into digital? I mean, like, what is yeah, like, is it a bubble? <laughs> where, where are we? Like, maybe in the metaverse, right? When, when are the environmentalists going to come after us and say, you can't have more plastic. It's we have enough. I mean, Jamie, I've thought about that. I'm like, wow, we're using straight up plastic like it's and PVC prices are going up. And um, think about the turtles. Jesus. I know, dude. The turtles getting their heads stuck in the you mean the soup spindle, in the spindle hole. No, but I mean, jokes aside, um, I do know there's a plant in Switzerland that has developed a new form of record that like sounds and plays like a rec, like like vinyl, but it's not vinyl. Um, it lasts apparently way longer. Although, truth be told, I've never really had issues with wear, wearing out records. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you play it a lot, but I'll just, just buy two when you buy it if you think you can wear it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think. We are going to have to think about that, especially just because the number of pressing plants, it's not it's not really getting bigger. I don't have the exact numbers, but I mean, third man, that's Jack White's pressing plant that opened in Detroit as well. So we got a new plant here. But in general, it's not like people are building new pressing plants. And a lot of times, like when people open new plants, they're using old machines and you like have to be a bit of an alchemist as well as an engineer, as well as an artist to fix these machines. Cause a lot of, not a lot of manuals around anymore on how to I fix bet. it. I, I bet. I mean, even um, recently in Detroit, Shinola came out with a new record player. I want that was so bad. <laughs> They're so gorgeous. Just belt drive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, look, I mean, obviously we're talking about vinyl and, you know, there's going to be some people that just, you know, are raving and love the medium and can't wait to go out and get some. Other people will be scratching their heads associated with it. Like, why? Why records? Why now? Um, but I have to say uh, a friend of mine uh, really blew my mind when he was telling me that playing records in a lot of ways is a mental stress relief. And, you know, when you sit on the couch and your records are playing and it skips. You get up and you walk over and you you fix it and you walk back, sit back down, and you're enjoying this music for its entirety. It, it's a soothing effect, and in fact, can can take a lot of stress and provide some mental relief. Yeah, and and without getting like too meta and weird about it, I think <laughs> there's so there's such little ritual in our society these days, right? right. Like, not. I mean, some people are totally content with streaming. Some people are totally content with just having a Kindle. Some people are totally content with the Mr. Coffee machine. Um, I personally like the process of getting up from the couch, flipping through my uh, you know vinyl bin, putting a record on. And you know when you put the needle on the edge, it's just the edge noise until it gets to the first song and you're, you're lying in wait. It's so good. It's perfect. Oh, what's even and better is when you release the needle and the needle, the arm is so light that a needle takes a couple of seconds yes. to drop onto the record. But you bring up a great point, Peter, which is the whole ceremony of it, right? I think of cigars. I'm not a big cigar smoker, but when my brother's in town, I'll smoke a cigar with him or with friends because the whole ceremony of the clipping, the lighting, you know, the, the flicking, there, the, it's, it's, it's not just busy work. There's, there's a pleasure to it. It's like you're doing something with someone together. Same thing if you're sitting in your living room and you get up and you change the, you go and you move the needle to a different track. You've got the album covers laid out on the carpet. You're sitting there. You're bringing back memories, good memories, bad memories. I mean, that's a very unique feeling uh, and, and a feeling that can be shared with a group of people in the same space. So I think, I think that could go a long way towards another way to bring joy into the home. That's exactly right, Jamie. I mean, you, you nailed it. It's just the, the inefficiency 
is the feature. It's it's not a bug. <laughs> you know, like that's that is the good part is taking your time with it, slowing down. I know my mind goes way too fast all the time. And when you put on a record or when you brew a cup of coffee or when you light a cigar or you do all three at once, uh, it is just <laughs> it really slows you down and it makes you present. And that's that perfect imperfection, I think that we we kind of need in our lives in a lot of ways. You know, I when I look at uh, obviously we, there's a lot about music in our discussion today, but then when you think about uh, records or vinyl in your home, I can't really pick up a design book or, or interior design book that's modern progressive. It doesn't have at least one page or one image uh, with records and vinyl in the background. And I feel like it's really also a design choice to be able to add uh, a display, much like your artwork. I mean, you know, I think, you know, we would all love to have a Herring or Basquiat in our apartments or our homes. We would love to have, you know, some cherished memory hang on the wall. Uh, But we don't think of vinyl and or records in that same context. But I think now designers are starting to find ways of being able to put, allow you to put those records in the wall that then will tell you, allow you to tell stories about, about it. So I think it's coming back strong, both musically, as you, as you mentioned, I think that it's a, it's a counterbalance to the ephemeral nature of digital medium. Uh, and it's also perhaps a design choice is going to change how we look and view the importance and value of vinyl in our lives. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and it's it's funny. IKEA sells um, those. It's called the Calyx. Every vinyl collector knows about the Calyx. You can buy it. It's just one cube and it'll hold vinyl. You can get it a two by one. You can get it's a two by two. I got some that's four by four. I got a bunch nice. of them around the house. Nice. Yeah. And, you gotta, and you gotta have. You gotta have art out though, right? You can't have it just the just on its side. It has to be well. If you want to get me started on my favorite kind of record bins, yeah, it's exactly what you're talking about when it's facing you and you can flip it towards yourself. That's the best way to pick a record out because you could see the artwork on the front. Yeah. Nice. And there's more and more companies selling these things. You can buy them and like you can integrate your turntable. You set it right on top, and it doesn't take up a ton of space. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I, you know, when I think about space, I think of how over the years everything has gotten smaller, right? We've we went from records and we got went to cassettes and we went to CDs and then we went to sort of nothing. And then we're now back to, to records. But it but also apartments have gotten smaller. We used to live in homes and houses uh with with picket fences and all that. Now we have studio apartments in the city that cost a bunch of money. And we now have storage units that are not um, temperature controlled. They can't really store precious mediums like records without it warping and all that. And so there's a there's a some attention that needs to be made towards space in which we live in and how those records and how those vinyl um experiences how, how they how they live and play in those small spaces really matters and not just the record obviously all the equipment that you need to to uh, to to listen to that record the old stacks the old stacks of equipment you used to have to have you know wall unit in the living room so you could put the stacks of equipment next to the tv yeah it's like our living room is centered around the turntable <laughs> and, not, and, not, and not the TV. Is, but, is a turntable in like, like embedded in the dining room table? Is it like, is it sunk oh, in? Oh man, that's what we did at Motor City Wine at their DJ booth. But no, not not here. That's that's the future. That's that's Rev 2 of the living room. 
but yeah, I mean, a 12 inch record is 12 inches. It's not getting any smaller. I mean, you could you can get a 10 inch or a seven inch, but there's going to be less music on it. And this, uh, this is true. This is true. So there are some smaller turntables, but you just the platter's got to be 12 inches. <laughs> so, Peter, tell us what's next for you uh, with you, with your company, etc. So uh, I've been keeping really busy with Rocksteady Disco, the label. I mean, during the pandemic, I put it on pause because I wasn't sure. I mean, I figured we'd have music again, but it was a good time <laughs> to reset and, and see what was important. But actually today, uh, the day we are recording, we have our, hold on, let me get this right. Our 26th vinyl record release coming out. It's from right. an artist, a Detroit artist named Blair French. Thank you so much. Detroit artist named Blair French. The record's called From Over the Hills Beyond. It's a uh, kind of afrobeat meets cosmic uh jungle uh, dance weirdness uh, i've been playing it i've been playing another it on one <laughs> another one i know sorry guys the sound is getting so old <laughs> i'm just kidding but yeah that one comes out on 12 inch today it was pressed at archer record pressing you know five miles from my house and i've shipped them to berlin london tokyo across the u.s and it's uh it doesn't get old. New release day does not get old. That's it's always cool. a very exciting couple of weeks That's going to UPS cool. and FedEx and the post office. <laughs> That's awesome. Peter, this has been really interesting. This history of vinyl, uh, how leaders like yourself in the music world are bringing vinyl back. The whole nostalgia that comes with that, the memories for people who are, who are old enough to remember when vinyl was all we had. But even now, there's the young people, you're giving the young people a chance to discover vinyl and discover all the equipment that goes with that and, and the pleasures that come with that in the home. So, uh, congrats to everything you've achieved in the music business. Good luck with the out, with the record that comes out today and, uh, and, uh, with everything else that you're doing yeah good luck yeah this has been great peter and i can't wait to put some more vinyl in my apartment uh looking forward to it and telling stories about uh my experience with those albums and that vinyl from back in the day so thank you for inspiring me and our listeners hey just so grateful that music is what brought alex and i together and therefore jamie and, and it was all tangible music so it's a really beautiful thing thanks for having me guys. you've been listening to the real estate podcast Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealstate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.